0: Good morning, everyone. My friends, uh, our first reading uh, from Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the people of Ezekiel's time had been uh, overtaken by another nation. They were in bondage, and they were treated horribly. And the prophet is uh, speaking to them, giving them that message of hope. And um, the word from God, uh, he, he likened it as if they were dead and in graves. And he said, I'm going to open your graves and you will come out of them. So it's up talking about deliverance. I'll deliver, deliver you from your bondage, and you will have newness. And uh, St. Paul, in the second reading, uh, he, kinda, uh, he always talks about baptism, and in baptism he's saying, in baptism the very spirit uh, that raised Jesus from the dead is instilled within you, and as long as you continue believing and you have that belief, already now you will have that within you. So even now you live the resurrected life. And my friends... Um, Uh, the past two Masses, I've taken a very pastoral approach to this reading. But at the 11 o'clock Mass, the elect are present. So I'm going to speak in a more theological way for them, for their benefit. Um, um, If you want to know what I said at the other one, it will be recorded at the other Mass uh, to hear that. And so my friends, and particularly to the elect, the account of the raising of Lazarus is one of a very... uh, most extraordinary event uh, in the ministry of Jesus, and we hear presented by John. It is a story about the battle between life and death, and it has a very unexpected ending to it, not one that the people were expecting. The action uh, here takes place, there's different levels of things happening. On one level, we are told what is happening with the disciples, and on the, the, they're afraid. They don't want to go back. They tried to kill you, Jesus. We're not going back there. And on another, uh, there's something going on with the people. And uh, and yet on another, what Jesus, they're concerned about what Jesus is saying and doing. As I said, the apostles are worried about their own safety. <laughs> As they return to Judea, we hear Thomas say, Oh, well, we'll go back. We will go back there, and if they kill Jesus, they will kill us. So he says, let us go back and die with him. Martha and Mary and their friends are in deep mourning. They are suffering the loss of their loved one. Some of the Jewish religious leaders are standing off at a distance, watching and waiting to see what this man Jesus is going to do. And then on a completely different level, Jesus is confronting the forces of darkness and at the same time attending to the burden of human sin and human loss as he strips the evil one of a last weapon that he tries to use against us, death. There is a continuity here with the stories about the Samaritan woman and the man born blind the past two weeks. In the meeting with the Samaritan woman, Jesus broke through the barriers of prejudice and bigotry and hatred, and the waters of the well symbolized the flood of new life that was about to be poured into that Samaritan woman and to the village that she lived in, and ultimately through the whole world. In the story of the man born blind, we heard last week, the ever-lingering clouds of unbelief, is dispersed by the light of the world, Jesus. But in the raising of Lazarus, Jesus takes on the power of Satan in a very, very tangible way. What we have in the account of Lazarus is the battle between good and evil, in which Jesus confronts evil's greatest weapon. Another powerful theme that is found in this account is the issue of belief. It is mentioned five times in this gospel reading. At the start, after the announcing the death of Lazarus to his disciples, Jesus tells them he is glad that they were not there, that you may come to believe. Arriving in Bethany, that city, Jesus speaks to Martha about believing. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Make note that he talks in the present tense, not in the future. He says, now I am these things. And whoever believes in me, even if he die in this world, shall he live? And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he says to her, do you believe this? And then at Lazarus' tomb, when Martha warns Jesus about the opening of the tomb, in which she says, Lord, by now there will be a stench. And my friends uh, uh, I look at that and in my imagination I thought, exactly because sometimes the world stinks. Right? And that didn't prevent Jesus. Jesus just kept doing what he was going to do. And he says, move the stone away. Let's, let's have it. Uh, and so we do the same thing. The world may be tough sometimes and sometimes it does stink. But we move along in faith. And um, he tells them, didn't I tell you if you believe, you would see the glory of God? A fourth time as Jesus prays at the tomb, he says, Father, you listen to me all the time. And I say what I say now, that the crowd hear, that they may come to believe that you have sent me. And finally, at the end of the account, Belief is mentioned the fifth time, as we are told by the evangelists. Many of the Jews began to believe in him because of what he did. This account is meant to drive home its meaning, that, it, that it's something more than just a good deed that Jesus is doing for his friend. In the account it says, they go to him and say, Jesus, the one you love, not the one who loves you. Very smart of them. Jesus, the one you claim... Your friend, the one you love, something's wrong. So it's more than just a good deed that Jesus is accomplishing here. Its meaning is a blazing call to belief in Jesus as not just a rabbi, not just a friend, but as Messiah, as Lord, as the one sent by the Father. The account of the raising of Lazarus confronts all of us with an issue of belief, and faith. St. John's repeated references to belief throughout this account challenges all who would hear it to ask themselves if one indeed has that kind of faith that saves, the one that Paul references in the second reading. As John's gospel, with its themes of light versus dark, good versus evil, belief versus doubt, the evangelist acknowledges that there is darkness and evil. And that uh, those are not good things, but that God makes all things work together for the good. God is love, and belief and faith sometimes do not make sense according to the world's ways. It does not seem reasonable. I had a wonderful conversation with a young man uh, this past week, and he had some questions for me. And one of them was about reasoning: Is this reasonable? Faith isn't reasonable. (laughs) It's faith. (laughs) It doesn't seem reason. It defies it. Believe and faith sometimes don't make sense according to the world's ways of thinking. And faith does not answer all of humanity's questions. But faith knows where to take those questions. And who has the answers? God. And faith demands we must trust and believe in the Lord. Belief and faith demand a decisive decisive and identifiable difference in the way you will conduct your life based on the belief you have. For a believer like Martha and Mary, the raising of Lazarus was a clear, tangible sign that Jesus has power over everything, including death itself, and that he truly is the resurrection he truly is the life. The question posed in the gospel account, do you believe this, Jesus asks. And because it's a living word of God, he asks that now. He's going to ask that of you elect. Do you believe this? Because you're going to enter into baptism. The very thing Paul is referencing and it's going to require that you, you risk. Faith risks. There's a risk. And he's going to ask, do you believe? And your answer should be, yes, I do. Otherwise, you shouldn't be baptized. (laughs) Do you believe this? I believe. I've come to believe that the Lord Jesus, the ruler of my life, it's past, which sometimes I wish I could change, but I cannot. But with him, I do not have to. (laughs) He is the ruler of my present And he is the ruler of my future. I accept the Lord and I do this because by his cross, he proved his love for me. Even while I was still in deep sin. And in his resurrection, he has proved that his grace, his love for me is real. And he has proved this to all of you. So the question that lingers then is the one that he offered to those people on that afternoon. Do you believe this? And how you answer is going to have implications now and for the future. Elect everyone. My friends, for those who do not know, uh, the past two and a half weeks have been hard on our parish and on the families. Thirteen people have passed from our parish. That's a lot in this short period of time. And death always, no matter if one sees it coming, takes us by surprise. Friday afternoon, even your pastor, to receive a phone call about Mary Brockway's unexpected passing. took me by surprise. But I do what the pastor is supposed to I go to the house and I offer my prayers. And to the family member who was there, I said, you know, some of my people I worry about. (laughs) But not this woman. Not this one. My friends, people have questions about such things. People ask, well, why didn't Jesus go? We heard, couldn't the man who... Cured the blind man, couldn't he come and help his friend? In our world, there is so much splendor and moments of joy, and on the other hand, perplexed by poverty and war and illness and disease. Violence. How can all these things be reconciled? I'm speaking to you, elect, because you're going to enter into our family, the Christian family. These are questions you should have. All these things, how can they be reconciled with God who loves us and has such mercy and life? I tell you, it is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the promise of resurrection for all who believe in him, that the dilemma is solved for us. The contradiction between sadness and joy and hunger and fullness, disease and well-being are resolved in the mystery of the resurrection. In that mystery, all is revealed, and we will see God face to face then. The resurrection is a mystery and a transformation process that is not crowned by scientific and medical technologies and AI its final point and completion is the transformation of human death it is when human death gives way to eternal life that that transformation process of the universe and the individual human person is complete when human death is not the end but a beginning then we begin to see the face of god behind all the many events which surround us The sure hope of the resurrection changes everything for the believer. It turns illness into health, emptiness into fullness. In this vision, human life then, human death is not a failure of medicine or therapy, but the final and radical healing of the human person because the dawn of eternal life has arrived. This is the hope of Christians, that when we shed this mortal body, that we are clothed in a new spiritual body of the resurrection. My friends, this is the Christian belief and faith. This is uh, where we really, we need faith always, but when death comes, we really need it, because even those with the strongest of faith are shaken, and this resurrection of Lazarus, it was not the resurrection uh, ultimate. It was a prefiguration. It was not the way Jesus would be resurrected. Remember, Jesus walks right through walls. Lazarus could not do that. If you walk through the wall, you get knocked out, right? And Jesus, by the way, had done this three to- two other times. In one account, he raises Jairus' daughter. She has only been dead a few minutes. But Jesus raises her. And then he did it again for the widow at Nain. On his way to his own execution, which they don't know about, but Jesus does, he encounters a funeral procession. A woman who has already known grief because she has lost her husband has now lost her son. And Jesus gives the son back to her something that will not be done for his own mother. And there are time when you die, you get buried the same day. So the son must have been dead for a few hours. But I bring it up because in both cases, the people would have thought he just resuscitated them. They weren't dead long. Ah, but with Lazarus, four days, four days in the tomb, they had this idea that uh, when you die for three days, you hang around. <laughs> if that sounds weird, you should hear what I hear <laughs> these days by unbelievers. But they thought the soul hung around as if the soul could re-enter the body and just reanimate itself. So just to make the point, it is said twice, four days, four days he's been in the tomb. He's wrapped in the burial cloths. The spices are on him. And Jesus comes. So now there is no questioning this man is dead. And Jesus calls him forth and says, now let him go. And what's not recorded is probably Jesus says, now give him some food. He's hungry. Right? My friends, um, because I see humor in almost everything, uh, the humor of things I imagine Lazarus, when he gets to his sisters, did you make Jesus call me back? (laughs) Did you do that? Right? But then I also thought, you know, he was called back to testify to him, to Jesus, to testify. So even death couldn't stop it. Jesus calls him back from death. Get back here. Your work is not done. (laughs) But he would die again, A Lazarus. Perhaps what you do not know is that uh, Lazarus, because of his witness, his very life, he became, um, the people who hated Jesus came after Lazarus. So much so that Lazarus would have to leave Jerusalem and go to another place. He would flee, he would go to Cyprus, and there he would eventually die, and his tomb is in Lanarca. So you see, there is risk. There is risk. Friends, next weekend is Palm Sunday weekend. The liturgical color is red. So if you want to wear team colors for Jesus, as I see the other team colors that are always flown throughout the year, put on a piece of red or wear complete red next weekend. Amen?